Hi, this is Pam from San Diego, California. Dusted is a Story Wonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks. And welcome to the show. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Alistair Stevens, and this is Dusted. You're the only thing that's standing between you and real darkness. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Podcast. This week we're watching episode 10 of Angel Season 2 Reunion. This episode aired originally on December the 19th, 2000, and is co written by Tim Minear and Sean Ryan. We know Tim Minear very well by now, of course. This is his ninth Angel script. Mm-hmm. Previously, he brought us last week's episode, yes. The Trial. <laughs> and what a trial it was. This is Sean Ryan's second script for Angel, though previously he wrote First Impressions, where Cordelia has a vision and has to get to know Gunn for 45 minutes. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> coincidentally, First Impressions was the last time we saw this week's director, James A. Contner. Dusted favorite James A. Contner? Yes. Old Jimmy Contner? <laughs> it's been a long time since we've had him on the show. I guess First Impressions was maybe only six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, but it feels like forever. That's a long time to go without any Contner direction in yeah. either Buffy or Angel. Well, I'll tell you, the man is a journeyman director, so he's he's out there working. He's a busy guy. That he is. <laughs> so this week's episode is kind of tough. Um, it's it's one of my favorite episodes, and also in some yes. spaces one of my least favorite episodes. So it's, it's gonna be really interesting to kind of play with that. Absolutely sterling first act, coupled with a devastating third act, joined together by a completely lackluster yeah. middle act. I'm not sure in aggregate how well this episode works for me, but as I watch it, I'm alternately enthralled and infuriated. Yeah, some of my favorite moments in my memory of season two are in this episode. Yeah. This is such a pivotal episode. And I think that because I remembered it so well that my expectations were just much, much higher. And also, you know, those expectations in the first act, mm-hmm. you know, we're born Absolutely out. realized. Yeah. Yes. So so in the middle of this, I was like, wait a minute, what happened? Yeah. And it's interesting that you describe it as pivotal because it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. This is a structural episode of Angel. This is the last episode of the first act, yeah. if you like, of the second season. That structure is going to fall apart somewhat as we move through the season. Yeah. Because as we've said previously on the show, it wasn't really working. Mm-hmm. So the powers that be had to rearrange some story elements and then introduce an entirely new arc for the end of the series. Mm-hmm. But this does mark the end of the arrival of Darla storyline. Yes, yeah. And now we're going to move into something much, much more serious. So let's go ahead and move into it, getting into our beat by beat. We have no previously on this week. We don't need it no, because, because we're going to have course. a little exposition tango happening a little later. Right. But this isn't an episode that in any way trades right. on Angel's history. Exactly. It <laughs> baffles me. And I'm sure that in part, this is a function of the way that we're watching these episodes. Mm-hmm. We watch these episodes on Netflix for convenience's sake, despite owning the DVD copy. Mm-hmm. of both Buffy and Angel. I'm not sure to what degree the previously on segments are baked into those episodes and when they are stripped out for syndication purposes. I checked our DVD. There is no previously on. That yeah. strikes me as crazy mm-hmm. because we haven't had an episode of Angel for the longest time that has relied as much on the show's internal storyline mm-hmm. as this episode. 
Well, but we also get a lot of exposition happening in the early moments of these uh, episodes. I think that may Which be ones? why. <laughs> we open on Gunn dragging a wounded angel into the lobby of the Hyperion, where Cordy and Wesley meet him with a ton of questions, none of which anyone can answer, including Angel, who still seems to be a bit out of it. Gunn found Angel coming out of Darla's hotel in broad daylight, and that's all Cordy needs to know. Whatever happened, Darla did it. Angel tells them that Darla's dead, and he babbles out the bits and pieces that tell the story of Drusilla, a name which alarms Cordy and Wesley and confuses Gunn. I like very much the detail that Wesley recognizes Drusilla's name. Oh, yeah. Despite having never appeared in an episode with Drusilla. He didn't overlap with her in Buffy, but her (laughs) reputation tends to precede itself. I like that very much because it's a reminder of how competent and well-informed a well-written Wesley can be. Mm -hmm. I think this is great Wesley. I think this is great Cordelia. I think this is great Gunn. Mm -hmm. The investigators shine in this episode in a way that they haven't for... Wow, six weeks at this yeah, point? No, no, they're doing pretty well. So I'm actually really enjoying I'm enjoying our Cordy and Wesley and Gunn lately. I mean, mm. in the last few episodes, I feel like we've gotten yeah. a lot stronger. But we've talked a we lot about how... much to do. Yeah, they've been hanging out at the Hyperion. Yeah. They've been mm-hmm. reading magazines. They've been mm-hmm. providing exposition. Here, they feel as though they have internal lives, certainly. Yes. But they're also connected to the main story. And the connections between the three of them are stronger now than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come in useful for the rest of the season. Oh, certainly it will. Angel goes into his office, rummaging through his drawers and cabinets. He wants to save her. Wesley says it's too late for that. If she's been turned, she's dead. And come nightfall, she will rise. Angel pulls out a stake and says, no, he can at least save her from that. And boom, into credits. And that, my friends, (laughs) is how you start an episode. It certainly is. I can't imagine what the casual Angel viewer would have thought coming into this episode without necessarily seeing the trial immediately preceding it. It's a really strong cold open. We are left somewhat, though, to interpret Mm -hmm. Angel's state of mind. We have to infer a lot about Angel from some relatively scanty information in this episode. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk a little, though, about the metaphysics of vampires. Mm -hmm. Darla has technically been turned... But she's in the midst of that process now. She is dead as of right now. Do you need a stake to kill her? Or would she be, you know, vulnerable to... Does she have to to rise before you can dust her? Or I don't know. I do know that, you know, traditionally in Buffy, we hang out in the graveyard and wait for them to rise. (laughs) Now, part of that may be that digging them up is just a lot of trouble. Sure. Um, But... Even when we've had Buffy going into, like, a funeral home looking for somebody right. who might have been but a victim. But that's because Buffy can't casually kill human beings. Right. Angel, as we see in this episode, super can. Doesn't have a much of a problem with that. So yeah. my question mm-hmm. is, when Angel arrives in the greenhouse later and Darla has not yet risen and he's holding the stake above her chest, if he staked her at that moment, would she dust or would there be blood? Well, my guess is, well, first of all, she's dead dead. You know, mm-hmm. so there wouldn't be blood because nothing's pumping. So it would just be like it would be a stake in the heart. But I think if a vampire wakes up with a stake already in the heart, they must just immediately dust. <laughs> I mean, I would what guess I'm they do. Is, we need some vampires. <laughs> we need and we need some science. Some we need some science up in here is what I'm saying. <laughs> do some scientific testing with the vampires. The larger problem, though, is Angel's 
distance from us in this cold yeah. open. And that's going to remain a problem really throughout the first act oh, yeah. of the story. And that's problematic specifically for this episode because we have to be connected to his emotional arc. We have to understand why he's making the choices he's making. How yeah. does it work for you when he gets up out of his chair in the Hyperion and he goes to find his stake as though Angel wouldn't know where all the stakes in the building are kept? He has to go rummaging for one. I feel like as a vampire, as a vampire, I would you want like to, to be aware of your daylight, your fire, your stakes. I think right. so. Yes, you'd put in a general. little, you'd put a little one of those little key rings on the end of every stake in the building, so exactly. you could just clap your hands and they would beep to tell you where they are. <laughs> so yeah. he's moving into his office and he's stumbling, and his body language isn't right. And I right. genuinely don't know what I'm supposed to well, take from that. Well, they tased him a couple of times. Uh, you know, if you're taking it, because we're moving from last, the end of last week, they tased him a few times, which I guess is having an right. effect on him because but this is now Gun, the following day. Yes, because Gunn found him in daylight. So presumably so it's been quite out. So a he while. was there uh, until sunrise. I mean, granted, it was probably fairly late in the evening when they finally got well, to Darla, but still. also have no idea how time works during the trial but he's so itself. Disoriented. It looks like he, he was is. this is the problem. It plays back to they Angel didn't being under the influence him, did of the they? magic they power. They just tased him. They right? tased him. Yeah. Well, but you know, we don't know what that means. We don't know to what extent he was harmed by yeah. that encounter. We don't know to what extent he was harmed by being in daylight. Mm -hmm. We don't know how true, traumatized true. he's been. And we're still having trouble tracking the consequence of the spell under which he's been operating for most of the season so far. Well, we know that Darla has not been you know, putting the whammy on him for a while. At least we have seen no evidence but of that. His behavior's still been inconsistent. Is still it's altered. Still been He's odd. still an altered angel. Yeah, the whole thing is is pretty weird. It is, and that's the foundational problem in this episode. Yeah. So more on that later. Absolutely. <laughs> At the Hyperion, Wesley and Gunn do the exposition tango and give us the brief history on Drusilla, Darla, and what happens at nightfall when Darla rises again. With Gunn and the audience up to speed, we're ready to go. Angel gets the times on sundown and sunrise. Darla could rise any time in that window. I really like this exposition scene. I really like... As exposition goes... It's nicely done. Yeah, Gunn yeah. is a great character to use for this because he doesn't just ask questions to ask questions. He doesn't just open the door to the exposition fairy. Yes. He's also interactive. He gives a unique perspective in the show, which really works. And I like him being squicked out by the family tree of yes of exactly the whole, like you know the granddaughter rises the grandmother and all of that yeah it's 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 very weird <laughs> and it's sometimes best i think not to think about yeah, it certainly foreshadows the way that drusilla sees the relationship which she's referenced before mm -hmm. you know in her prophetic line about i could be your mommy yes back to darla during the flashback sequences i'm not sure that the relationship can bear quite that much mm -hmm. weight, quite yeah. that much attention. It feels like we maybe go to that well a few too many times. Mm -hmm. But we'll talk about Drusilla when we get to her. Oh, and I can't wait till we get I to her. Because I have things to say. Oh, my goodness. Cordy comes in with an update on Lindsay. He's been in a meeting at Wolferman Hart all day. Angel puts on his coat, but he's not going to Wolferman Hart. He's going to Lindsay's home. The investigators <laughs> start to suit up for a field trip, but Angel tells them to stay behind. Nobody's happy about that, but Angel's the boss, so... Nice of Cordelia to step in and retroactively make fun of the beat in the trial where Angel goes to Lindsay's house without an yes. invitation. <laughs> what Just are you like do? we did. Stand there for the hallway and <laughs> exactly yell at him. Right. I'm gonna open all your Amazon packages, Lindsay. <laughs> I'm gonna really inconvenience the Domino's guy. 
nice of Cordelia to pay. I think she maybe listened to last week's podcast. I think, I think it's entirely it possible that she did a little time travel and then uh, and then listened to it. Uh, moments later, Angel kicks down Lindsay's front door for the second time this week, and I know someone who isn't getting his security deposit back. <laughs> the place, however, is empty, and Angel uses his freshly unneeded invitation to walk in. The apartment manager pokes her head in and tells him that Lindsay has moved. Angel says there's a medical emergency and that he needs to find Lindsay right away. Yeah, and the timeline here is a little confused. I guess if Gunn found Angel in the daylight, it's the next day, yeah, presumably. But that means that Angel visited Lindsay yesterday because he went to Lindsay, went straight from Lindsay to Caritas, straight from Caritas to the trial, straight from the trial to Darla's motel room, and that's when he was attacked. I guess maybe he was unconscious for 24 hours. That could help explain why Cordelia and Wesley are so worried about him when he shows up at the Hyperion at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Or perhaps time works differently when you're in the trial dimension, whatever uh, that was. That's entirely possible. We know that hell dimensions, you yeah. know, hundreds of years will go by and there'll just be a little bit of time here. So maybe so while he knows? was he yeah. was doing Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yes. <laughs> Maybe three days passed. Time time has gone by. I don't know. I Wolfram don't know. and Hart have very efficient movers, but apparently their uh, apartment managers are not terribly discreet. No, what I love here, too, is that <laughs> she very discreetly says, well, I can't give you any information about Lindsay, but I believe he'd be at his place of work if if you know where that is. And then as soon as Angel's like, yeah, then she starts going on very indiscreetly about <laughs> Drusilla. She drops a bomb about the pregnancy and asserts that skinny women can't have healthy babies. And then she rambles on while Angel puts it together. Okay. I don't think it's so much that skinny women can't have healthy babies. It's that Drusilla was apparently talking about having her baby any minute. And she looks like Juliet Landau. Right. Who looks like she could snap in half in a stiff breeze. Juliet Landau is a very svelte woman. And she there is are a some very women, woman. as we know and have heard from people after our <laughs> TSATS uh, discussion, the Scott and the Sassanac talking about pregnancy representation on Outlander. There are some women who carry, you know, very discreetly. <laughs> I'm not sure that discreetly. <laughs> well, no, maybe not. But still, shut up. Here's the thing just as a general rule, <laughs> as a general rule, whether a pregnant woman is heavier than you think she should be or thinner than you think she should be or anything other than what you think she should be none of your business don't say anything to anybody about it la 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 la. talk about something else no sure honey i've been a man for a long time i mean i know you've the rules. learned you've learned that i'm just saying no commentary on anybody's pregnant body just I never yes it's understandable that the apartment manager should be a little concerned considering just no, how svelte Juliet woman, but is. for a woman who i mean the big thing with the apartment manager is that for a woman who is so discreet about well he may be You're at right. his wink wink place of work <laughs> let me not share that ends up just rambling forever well, about Drusilla and the details of her pregnancy and of her baby. Maybe and she's not terribly discreet. Maybe she just doesn't know where Lindsay works. Or maybe she doesn't <laughs> she want to say Wolfram at heart out loud. No. Right, because if you say it out loud three times in front of a mirror, something jumps out. Yeah, a lawyer Holland jumps matters. out and kills you. <laughs> they so- cite you first and then kill you. <laughs> In a rooftop greenhouse, Drew looks up at the stars while Lindsay watches on, questioning his life choices. Drew talks to a supine Darla, but when Lindsay wants to know if Darla can hear her, Drew says she's dead. In walk Lila and Holland Manners, crashing the party. Holland asks Drew if there's anything she needs, then politely declines to hang around for Darla's, you know, birth. 
As he and Lila take their leave, Lindsay wants to stay, but Holland says it's a family matter and they all leave while Drusilla sings creepily to Darla's corpse. You know, when the apartment manager made a big deal about Drusilla wanting to see the stars, yes. I thought for sure we were going to shoot at the Griffith Observatory again. I know, why not? Because this was this was just an open opportunity to do so. Exactly. But somehow we managed to resist. The rooftop greenhouse mm-hmm. is such an interesting and smart set. Oh, it is the coolest. I, like I love this deal. whole thing. This is the best version of Lindsay that I think we've seen in a while. This yeah. is the best version of Lila that we've maybe seen to date. This is the best version of Holland Manners that we've maybe seen to date. Mm-hmm. But I'll go one further. This is the best Drusilla I have ever seen. This is the first time that I have genuinely felt that her power and madness have aligned Mm-hmm. To create someone who is genuinely dangerous. Yeah. Well, Drusilla, we have only seen her up until now as part of the Drusilla-Spike combo. And Spike kind of takes all the air out of the room. And Drusilla next to Spike just kind of looks crazy and a little weak. But when we had her, she was sickly. She had this the whole horrible thing that yeah. happened in Prague. She didn't have her, her strength and her vitality and her like full-on you know personality there. She was just sort of like this this weird little right. vampire we sort of had trailing along behind Angel and Spike. Well, though I think we moved past that a little bit in season two mm-hmm. of Buffy, certainly by the time that she was with Angelus rather than yes. with Spike, mm-hmm. we were seeing a more rounded, more, more fully possessed. fledged version yes. of Drusilla. Mm-hmm. And she never worked for me. The the airy, prophetic, you know, borderline nonsensical yeah. dialogue has never really worked for me. It's never really connected. Here, it's perfect yeah it absolutely works and it works throughout the episode i really like this drusilla i think that everything we have here for drusilla plays so well to juliet landau's strengths in performing this part it is really incredible and the scene between her and holland yes i think works beautifully Mm -hmm. holland showed up with all of this authority and all of this gravitas and all of this subtlety and that kind of creepy affable geniality Mm -hmm. of his yes and we've lost that over the course of the last few weeks Mm -hmm. in the last few appearances he's simply shown up and and given some motivation and been this like fatherly mentor figure which is not uh, right oddly inconsistent even in that Mm -hmm. this is the holland manders we met back in blind date this is even a better version of that character Absolutely love it. Absolutely love the spark between Lila and Lindsay. Oh, yes. I love how competitive they are immediately. And we've talked about how useful Mm -hmm. that dynamic can be for the show. Here, it's fully realized. It's just great. And this episode is really moving. Yeah. Yeah. No, all of this, I absolutely love. Back at the Hyperion, Angel and the Investigateurs split up the list of local cemeteries to dig up fresh graves. Pun intended. Yes. (laughs) Drusilla will want a place with a view of the sky. Wesley says she doesn't need a cemetery for that, just dirt. Angel tries to see it through Drew's eyes, viewing Darla's rising as a birth and remembering that the apartment manager had said something about a nursery. A few more minutes and Gunn puts it all together. They need a nursery with dirt and a view of the stars. Did it feel as though angel was already there angel's laying it all out it feels as though he's walking the others through it methodically Mm -hmm. and gun comes in with maybe he meant a nursery yeah and i was expecting angel to be like well duh this is what i'm leading up to gun thank you i like 
like the gun. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> stealing my thunder, right? Um, I like the gun was the one to come up with it. I like the gun is it can always kind of see things that maybe everybody else can't because they're too deep into it. I like yeah. that. No, you're right. That's a great character trait and it's one that really sets gun apart from mm-hmm. the other investigators. The problem is here, I just don't think the clue was that clever. I think that it could have been <laughs> I unraveled. I like the dual, you know, word that using nursery. Sure. I thought that that was a clever beat in the script. Yes, Angel, I think, probably could have come to it by the time he was going <laughs> to dirt and everything and thinking about nursery in another context. Uh, but I actually really quite like that. Mm-hmm. I like that moment. So later, Angel lands on a rooftop to find a greenhouse <laughs> with a patch of fresh soil. Before we go any further on this. I know what you're this, going to say. Because he really does land on the rooftop. Jumping down from where? His invisible angel copter. Right. The silent angel copter. The invisible silent angel copter. Yes. The invisible angel hot air balloon. But it's actually just a, a collection of helium balloons. <laughs> helium like, balloons he saw up. up. And he was just really moved by Actually, it. Well, up comes later, so I think they might have gotten the idea from him. <laughs> he saw a really early cut of a up. Really it's early Los Angeles. He was invited up. to a screening, okay? <laughs> it is a weird choice. And it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't even really notice, except that it's compounded by another weird choice later no, in the get, episode. We get that later. Like, in exactly Angel's the relationship same to gravity is very questionable in this episode. Invisible silent angel copter. Because if vampires it. can fly, I think we should be told. <laughs> Has maybe no one just mentioned that? Today? Has nobody mentioned is it? Is that what it is? Well, okay. Nobody's ever said that they can't fly. This is what I'm saying. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. You don't know for sure that he doesn't have <laughs> rocket boots. <laughs> Very true. So Angel breaks into the the rooftop nursery. He uncovers Darla's body. And wow, Julie Benz is good at a lot of things. But playing dead while being buried alive is not one of them. How many people in the world would be good at playing dead while being actually buried alive? He actually uncovers her face. She is so obviously terrified in this scene. It is horrifying. You can't see a visible pulse you can see and how fast is that pulse yes in her neck i she can't believe terrified. i mean the fact that she stayed still at all and didn't jump out screaming is actually a miracle yeah. why they didn't just put like some kind of mannequin or something in there and and angle the shots so that we wouldn't need her until at least her head had been uncovered yeah. because he uncovers her head and you see him touching her face and her her and head moves, moves. Yeah. and it looks like this desperate need to breathe and and seeing the heartbeat in her and the pulse like in mm-hmm. her actual neck was so horrifying. Credit where credit is due to Julie Benz, though. I think that's, no, that's a terrible thing to I ask wouldn't of have done anybody. That. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and it was pretty horrible. And the thing is, is that you feel so bad for her as an actress having to do that. Well, and here's the thing. I don't necessarily it, think it that it breaks me the world right out of the scene, because as we know, she is about to rise. She is almost done. Like yeah. another minute on that. that but their hearts don't countdown. beat, though. Well, no, perhaps, but so, I mean, she's moving. The terrified is, rapid pulse that happening. you can see visibly through the skin in her throat. No, that's a, that is somebody who is so freaking horrified in that oh, no. moment and scared. The actress obviously is. Yeah. The fact that the character moves a little as Angel uncovers her, I don't think is necessarily. It's not the worst. No, it's not the worst thing. But it's it's what it is. Is it kicks me out because I feel 
so bad oh, sure. for this girl, you know? Um, and it is, it is really, really horrifying yeah. thing to ask anybody to do. So anyway, back to the story. Angel raises his stake to plunge it into Darla's chest, but Drew whacks him in the back of the head with a shovel. And as she and Angel fight, <laughs> Darla rises. The wooden handle of the shovel, of course, breaks into a nice little jagged wooded edge. And Angel runs to get Darla when he's got that, but she's gone for a second. Then she grabs him by the throat, lifts him into the air, and hey, we've got a party. Yeah, this is fantastic, Drusilla. Yeah, it's fantastic, I, Drusilla. It's fantastic. Darla, we see Darla holding Angel in the air. Yep. She's back. She's a vampire. And I absolutely buy cool. Drusilla's manic strength yeah. there. I buy how cold, how dangerous she is. And this is the first time that I've ever had that response. No, because we're told she's an informed dangerous. She's never been more dangerous than Angelus. She's never been more dangerous than Spike. Mm -hmm. And so we've never really been able to see her on her own. Now that she is here on her own uh, and just owning this space, I absolutely love what they do with her. She's great. Drew grabs the broken shovel handle and does her best to stake Angel, but then Darla jumps into the fight and pushes Drew out of the way. She and Angel crash through the window onto the rooftop, and then Darla attacks Drusilla. I mean, can't blame the girl. That's got to be a hell of a jet lag. <laughs> I like feral Darla. Yeah, she's it's just really, she's fighting everybody. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective on yeah. this newly risen vampire. Yeah, no, it's 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 very cool and very interesting. So Darla calls Angel's name and then jumps off the roof, which is mm-hmm. many, many, many stories high. Like 30 stories high, maybe? I, I don't, don't know. think quite 30. Quite but, 30? But, well, we do know that it's... Very tall. It is very tall. As Drusilla yes. will tell we will us later. We'll find out later. Angel watches her, and when he turns around, Drusilla is also gone. The fight choreography through this entire sequence is remarkable. Mm-hmm. The use of interior and exterior spaces and moving fluidly between the yeah. interior and exterior spaces is just gorgeous. Everything feels physical, but it also feels slightly heightened. Mm-hmm. There's the, I don't know, jump attack where Darla and Angel crash through the skylight from below, Uh which works really well. The whole thing is just great. And then culminating in Darla stepping off of the edge, I think her heartbreaking, you Mm -hmm. know, utterance of the word angel. Yeah. That moment of recognition is so powerful. And then the flight, the stepping off. And then she just jumps right off, yeah. That's so powerful. No, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I actually really quite like that. And I'm usually not a fan of the, the fight sequences, but sure. I thought that one was really well done. Back at the Hyperion, it's weapons for everyone in the search for Drew and Darla. Angel wants to take the fight <laughs> straight to Wolferman Hart. And after expressing a few minor reservations, everyone gets in the car with him. Yeah, that's a hard turn. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. The first act of this episode is remarkably focused the pacing is beautiful. Mm-hmm. All of our characters are vibrant. The lines of conflict are clear. And then Darla steps off the roof. Yes. And we cut back to the Hyperion and everything goes to hell because suddenly Angel doesn't have a plan. He's mm-hmm. being weirdly playful slash passive aggressive yeah. with the investigators. Mm-hmm. And then finally we resolve that scene, which takes forever. We resolve it by going back again to the Wolfram and Hart is an impregnable fortress, but we're going anyway. Exactly. This is now the, I don't know, fourth or fifth time that we've beat that drum. Well, right. And the thing is, is that impregnable, like, loses its meaning after a while. And you keep getting in. <laughs> you know, he keeps getting in. Yeah, I mean, we yes, can't we get into a... Wolfram and Hart, but we're just really going but to. But we're gonna anyway. You it's know? got nothing. And suddenly Angel is is out of focus. Mm-hmm. And that's a serious problem for this character. We have to be 
in his POV. We have to have a sense of his interiority. We have to have a sense of his emotional engagement yeah. at this point, or the rest of the story isn't going to work. Because what is he feeling at this moment? Like exactly. he has failed to save Darla now a couple of times, and saving people is his thing. So what I want to see from him at this point is kind of this this desperation that's saving her. Like, right. I want to know what saving her means and what failing to save her means. I don't think but we get clarity on that. We absolutely him. don't. And it's not just a lack of clarity. We actually get the counterpoint. Yeah. At the end of this episode, Angel is going to fire the investigators mm-hmm. because he doesn't want anyone else in his life. Yeah. He doesn't want anyone holding him back from the darkness, holding him back from doing what he has to do. But here, he returns to the Hyperion in order to marshal his forces. Yeah. He uses the investigators in the way that he always has previously. But there's nothing between this point, this scene, yeah. and the end of the episode to account for his change of heart. Mm-hmm. Then we have the weird contrast in the middle of the episode, which we'll discuss in due course, yeah. between the garage suicide kid yeah. and the woman hiding in the dressing room mm-hmm. in the boutique. Mm-hmm. He's dismissive of this kid who obviously needs help. But when he goes to the woman in the boutique, that scene also lasts forever. But it's Angel again. But it gives us our recognizable he's Angel. considerate and he's thoughtful and he's emotionally engaged. Right. So, so where are we getting... on these arcs at exactly. any given time? We have no idea. We're not just getting a muddied mm-hmm. view of Angel's arc. It's not as though you can just infer it you right. know, in its absence mm-hmm. because we're getting deliberate and textual counterpoints to that arc Mm -hmm. all the way through the episode. I don't know what to make of it. This is the problem with this episode. Angel's arc isn't convincing. It doesn't work. And everything depends on that in order for us to sell that last act, which is fantastic in its own movements, but it's you just it's not sellable at that point. We don't have to agree with Angel. Mm -hmm. We don't even have to credit Angel with any, you know, speck of heroism left. We don't have to think that he's doing the right thing. We don't even need to necessarily think that he thinks that he's doing the right thing. But we have to have a clear perspective Mm -hmm. on what has happened to our protagonist, to our eponymous hero. We need to know what he's going through and what is driving him to make these terrible choices. Mm-hmm. And we get and we none don't, of it. We don't get that. We're just getting so frenzied running around in the second act. He casually betrays mm-hmm. what makes him the hero that he is. But then when we oppose him with Kate later, we get a perspective on Angel that is much more gentle, mm-hmm. that is much more thoughtful. That, yes, he's the hero in the night. He's mm-hmm. the guy who can go out and stop this terrible danger. Yeah. But that's not the story that Angel's in at that moment, mm-hmm. the whole thing is, it's such a mess. No, it really, really is. At Wolferman Heart, Holland Manners asks Lindsay if he's got a date for the evening. And just when you think those two crazy kids are finally going to make it work, <laughs> it turns out it's really just that loners make the senior partners nervous. After all, if Lindsay doesn't have attachments outside of work, what are they going to use to blackmail him? The irony of Holland Manners <laughs> yeah. telling Lindsay that he needs outside attachments. Mm-hmm. And then the ultimate demise of his wife at the yeah. end of the episode. That's beautifully done. Yeah, no, that There's is nice. really nothing wrong at all with the Wolfram and Hart side of this story. Yeah. I mm-hmm. find these scenes just beautiful. And seeing uh, the next beat, in fact, mm-hmm. seeing Holland suddenly made uncomfortable yeah. by Drusilla's presence in mm-hmm. Lindsay's office mm-hmm. and that goddamn smirk on Lindsay's oh, yeah. face. 
It's brilliant. No, it is. It's really nice. So just as Manners is about to walk out, Drusilla comes out of the bathroom being all <laughs> creepy, worried about Darla, and using her psychic powers to figure out the angels on the way. Although really, anyone with a basic understanding of cause and effect could probably see that coming. <laughs> Manners isn't worried. They've taken precautions. A phone call comes. There's an untagged vampire in the building. Lindsay opens his office door, and there's Darla. Nice reversal of expectations there. I like that very much. Nope. It's really, really nice. She snuggles on Lindsay for a moment, then runs off with Drusilla. Manners instructs security to let the women leave the building unharmed. And then closes out the scene. Yep. With mm-hmm. a little twist of the knife exactly. for Lindsay. Healthy there. attachments, please, Lindsay. Healthy attachments. Just Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. Just really good. We've lamented the fall of Holland Manor since yes. his introduction in Blind Date. And he's just suddenly back. And you could argue that he's inessential in this episode. Mm-hmm. You could basically do this entire episode just with Lindsay and Lila. Yeah. Or I guess you could do the entire episode just with Lindsay and Holland mm-hmm. and not use Lila this week. The fact that we have all of them just makes the story that much stronger. Yeah, and I think at the end, they all justify their their appearance in this episode. We've had a lot of, you know, the employees of Wolfram and Hart Mm -hmm. standing around, looking evil, looking malevolent, coming up with these convoluted plans, standing in the shadows. Mm -hmm. This is the first time in the longest while that it has felt purposeful, Mm -hmm. that it has felt complex, that it has felt coherent. Yeah. It really Mm -hmm. works. No, I like it. Out in the streets of Los Angeles, Cordy gets a vision while riding in the back of the Angel Mobile. Wesley tells Angel to pull over, and Cordy sees someone in danger on the other side of town. Angel doesn't want to go, but finally decides to turn the car around. Oh, boy. Yeah. I hate this a lot, Mm -hmm. is where I am with this sequence. This doesn't read like Angel to me at all. The use of Cordelia's prophetic vision as... A moment of of coincidence, a lightning strike of coincidence makes me crazy. And putting pressure on Angel to stop what he's doing and go do something completely different. The weird beat of Cordelia kind of half pulling a stake and half threatening Angel. I can't believe that was even a shot. That looked like it might have been something improvised at the end of a shoot. Right before the director calls cut. I have no idea what that is. It's awful. And then we have Angel pulling this U-turn on a street where you can still see the tire marks from the 15 times they've tried (laughs) to shoot that before. It's just really bad, really bad bordering on incomprehensible. Well, we're really bordering on incomprehensible (laughs) when we go out into the street where Darla and Drusilla are fighting. Darla's pissed that she was made into a vampire again, even though that is what she wanted and what she asked for. And she had only just kind of decided she was going to live without it moments before she got turned. disoriented. She's been mostly dead all day. Mostly dead all day. Yes, that'll that'll definitely do you. She's been for like a good hour. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Drusilla (laughs) says she thought it was what Darla wanted. Then she dissolves into crazy ranting as a guy's truck honks for them to get out of the way. Okay, I think that's maybe a little unfair. I interpreted that scene very differently. I don't like the fight any more than you do. From the fantastic choreography on the rooftop, Yes. now we're getting two chick cat fight. Oh, God, no, it is. just, it's demeaning for both of them. It's just short of hair pulling. But, yeah. When they end up against the side of the car out in the road and they have that sudden moment of emotional revelation, mm-hmm. that really worked for me. That really connected for yeah, me. And I think this wouldn't have bothered me so much if we hadn't had this kind of grab your hand and let's go and have a slumber party kind of energy from Darla when she grabbed Drusilla and pulled her out of Wolfram and Hart. Yeah, I didn't necessarily read that energy. I saw Darla there as being more feral. 
as being much less herself. It's interesting to track Darla's movements through the episode. There's this really weird beat in the boutique later where she kills the second shop assistant. Mm -hmm. And she does this valley girl, hello, the customer is always right, or whatever it is that she said. It's such a weird moment, but it echoes the very first time that we saw Darla in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that was a weak Darla, though. I didn't like that And it's a Darla that we've never seen again since then. But it feels as though she's she's almost collecting together these scraps of personality and trying to find herself amongst them. It's such a weird and conspicuous beat, but it does have precedence in our understanding of Darla. And you're right, it's weak, and we discard it again immediately. In an episode where all the the movements are confident and clear, that could have meant something. But when everything is a hot, muddy mess, the way that the middle of this um, episode is, in that moment, you can't be sure that they're doing it on purpose, and it just feels like everything is inconsistent. And that's what we talk about when we talk about the security of the audience, of the viewer, of the reader. Mm -hmm. If you feel intuitively that the world that you're experiencing is consistent, yes, then you can trust these very subtle moments. When you when read you, something that seems a little weird, you're like, oh, that must be weird it for must a be reason. Purposeful. And you Let me out think about it. Exactly. Let me analyze it. Let me scrutinize it. But when the world is inconsistent, when the walls don't push back against your hand in quite the way that you expect them to, yeah. when the ground moves under your feet, you can't really interpret these quiet, subtle movements. Yeah, and that comes down to like why it is so important for storytellers to be completely sure-footed when mm. they're doing this stuff because you want to make sure that when you do something, it reads as deliberate. Yes, you know? exactly. And the only way to do that is to make sure that everything you do is absolutely deliberate and confident. And I think that we're lacking that in the middle of this episode. So the moment that doesn't work for me, though, I do like the, the emotional reconnection between Darla and mm-hmm. Drusilla, the moment that doesn't work for me is the let's go shopping yeah. because of how we're women and we should go shopping. And you know those women. Oh, my. Well, Always with okay. the shopping. Fair enough. Darla's in her death shroud. So I think <laughs> I think that Darla gets a pass on that because she did not choose no. that outfit. But the line is played like, let's yes. go shopping. Exactly. Because that's what we girls do. Instead of I really need something better to wear. It's yes. let's go shopping for exactly. shopping's sake alone. So, and also find one of those all-night hairdressers that you hear so much about. <laughs> yes, no, very nice. <laughs> so in the middle of the street, Drusilla and Darla hug, and the guy in the truck loses mm. his patience, confronts them, and quickly becomes Darla's first meal. Then the two girls grasp hands, leave the body in the street, and run off to do some shopping. <laughs> there are like 50 bystanders yes. on the sidewalk just watching them. No one calls out. No one calls the police. No one says I think they're just word. presuming it's like improv anywhere, just doing a thing. Yeah, I have no idea. It yeah. all it looks so crazy. And they're fighting in the street. And it's just this bizarre thing. And this guy comes out of his truck. And then Darla eats him. And I don't even know. It just and, all feels yeah. so weird. Weird and somewhat overplayed homophobic subtext. I mean, not even subtext. I guess homophobic text. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an odd beat. Mm-hmm. coming so soon after that raw and, and immediate emotional reconnection. Yeah. But, you know, we have to do what we have to do in order to get the places that we're going. I guess so. And so let's go through the next incomprehensible bit. <laughs> in a mechanic's garage on the other side of town from Wolfram and Hart and everything we care about, a faithful follower of Morgog is about to shoot himself. Nobody else. 
nothing else happening. Not going to raise the, you know, ascendant God or whatever for some kind of weird apocalypse if he does it. Well, I don't just think we know that for himself. sure, though, do we? I think we kind of get a sense of that. I mean, he's just going to sacrifice himself. And you know what? This is and the thing is, is that I'm not making light of suicide. And it is a terrible thing. And if anybody's in the middle of suicide, absolutely, we should stop them. But let's compare two feral female dangerous vampires okay. running around town killing god knows but we who we don't even have to compare we can compare like for like by looking at cordelia's previous visions yeah terrible things happen in los angeles you guys mm-hmm. but cordelia's visions aren't comprehensive they don't alert angel to every single terrible thing that's going to happen or that may mm-hmm. possibly happen yeah he's called upon to intervene when it's something more important mm-hmm. There doesn't seem, you're right, to be anything more important. We don't get the here. sense that there's any great weight now, to what is about to happen here. I mean, a suicide be. is a bad thing, but most of the stuff that we're called upon by the powers that be is to prevent something, you know, truly right. terrible from like running now, rampant through Los Angeles. I think it's Wesley who says when they're back in the car that this could be a sign from the powers that be that they're doing the wrong thing by going to Wolfram and Hart in and, the first place. Fair enough. Now yeah. that. I could but I feel like buy. having the weight of something really, truly terrible happening here. Yeah, particularly because we haven't used Cordelia's visions, you know, mm-hmm. responsibly. They haven't exactly. really been a part of the conflict engine for, well, the entire season, really, mm-hmm. since First Impressions, ironically right. enough. Well, yeah. And the whole thing is that, you know, we go through this thing. He takes the gun away from the guy, throws it into a vat of oil and has essentially, I think, prevented whatever was going to happen if this guy was successful. I mean, maybe maybe Morgog was going to come back and now Morgog's not because this guy's not going to kill himself. Although there's he's in a mechanic's garage. There are a million things that he could use to kill himself aside from that gun if he wants to. And when they turn around and leave. Well, no, but that, I think, is why Wesley and Cordelia and Gunn want to stay with the kid. They're saying, we're not done here. There right. are other things here that we need to do. It's Angel that says, no, we're but finished. And he goes off by himself. Narratively, from the perspective of this story being told, you know, we're done with this. There's well, nothing. Okay. This has no narrative weight on it Drusilla exists. and Darla and anything else that's going no, on in this episode. It absolutely does. This is supposed to be, and in a better version of the script, would be, a pivotal moment for Angel. This is the moment when he actually does turn his back on his sworn duty. Right. Protecting people like this, fighting the fight against all the odds, knowing that you're never going to win. This is Angel's raison d'etre. This goes back to amends mm-hmm. in Buffy. Why we fight Absolutely. is the question that Angel purports to answer. And Angel is now betraying that he's betraying himself and his own heroism in a better version of this script this scene would leave you would be absolutely pivotal would be absolutely pivotal if we had something that was really going on here that was very dangerous and that had real consequence but we treat it we wedge it in all of a sudden in the middle of this episode we see nothing and before this in the in the episode that references this kind of dangerous thing happening or that it matters we have absolutely no consequence to ignoring it afterwards well, no, but Angel, it's not about the consequence, though. It's not about this terrible demon is going to rise and mm-hmm. darkness shall shroud the earth. It's not about that. It's about there's a guy here who needs help. Yeah. And Angel's not helping him. Angel's not being the hero that he is. That should be and is clearly intended to be 
a character break. But, this right, is the but moment when moment, we really do fear that Angel has traveled into dark places. But in that moment, we need to understand that he is turning his back specifically on the powers that be and whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Because he's going to pursue this one thing and that he's done with the powers that be like, that's a big more than the powers that be he's done with being angel. Yeah. It's no less significant than that. I completely agree with you. It is not well communicated, but that is its underlying intent. Well, I don't that think it's, is the underlying it's intent. Not, it is it's not essential. executed in any way that no, makes it worth the time it takes to turn the car around. Absolutely yeah. not. Mm-hmm. You are completely right. I do wish that we'd found some way of connecting mm-hmm. this kid back to the main plot. I think if there had been some way in which he was on the periphery, let's say, right. let's say yeah. that instead of dealing with this kid in a random garage, mm-hmm. Angel is dealing with the victim of Darla's bite, you mm-hmm. know, outside those those sidewalk cafes or wherever it was that, right. that mm-hmm. she and Drusilla were fighting. If it was connected even peripherally to Darla and Drusilla, I think it would be even more powerful. But it's clear in its intent though horribly compromised in its execution. Well, yeah, I think that it is horribly compromised. I think it would be an absolutely fantastic beat if it was here on the side of the powers that be. The powers that be are saying, we'd like your attention. This is serious. This is important. We need to deal with this. And this is something that has been running through this entire episode that he needs to make a choice between these two things that he's pursuing. And if also he was chasing Darla or chasing Wolfman Hart out of a desire for for vengeance, and we saw that clearly in everything that he's doing, in the choices that he makes. I think the fact that he does actually go to deal with this, it's more. It would be more powerful if if you know Cordy saw something, mm-hmm. and Cordy said, "This is what the powers that be want. This is what this is about. This yeah. is what your job is." And then, and Angel says, "No." And then the three of them go off to take care of that. And Angel goes elsewhere and leaves them sure. on their own and, to get hurt, you know, to have consequences <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I, I mean, that need... would have made, a, I think, a much bigger impression to see Angel right. knowing full and con- and acknowledging the consequences of ignoring the powers that be and what that means and well, doing it anyway. The only thing I would disagree with slightly is that it's not about the powers that be. The powers that be give Angel specific jobs Mm -hmm. give him specific tasks but this isn't about him working for the powers that be this is not about him being guided by cordelia's vision this is about him choosing either his his mission or his vengeance it doesn't need to be sparked by a vision it could be anything Mm -hmm. they could literally run someone over and angel doesn't care Mm -hmm. angel pursues his quest beyond the point of of restraint beyond the point of sanity beyond the point of of rationality right but the we powers that be him. represent the mission i think that that no, the ignoring powers, the powers that be is a big moment no, angel would be doing what angel is doing without the powers that be mm-hmm. they only showed up with doyle at the beginning of the first right? season mm-hmm. he was already doing his angel thing he mm-hmm. went to los angeles to do his angel thing and if there were no visions and there were no powers that be he would still be doing mm-hmm. what he does this is even more important. I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The stakes need to be higher. You're right. But it's even more important than the powers that be. This is about who Angel is. Mm-hmm. And that's sh- that should be 
the most important scene exactly. in the most important episode in the show to date. And instead, it is completely fumbled. It is so fumbled. Yeah. yeah. And that's what makes it, I think, so frustrating for me. Um, so then we go to the boutique where Darla and Drusilla are updating their wardrobe while a phone rings. Okay. And I kind of love I Drusilla know. doing I this. My too. whole body is ringing. It's just I laughed it's too. wonderful. Yeah. And a really great piece of physical comedy, too. And she's Julie doing Landau her little shimmy is dance. killing it in this and episode. Bands just reaches into yes. the front of her dress and pulls out the phone. That's a, that's a legitimately no, funny bit. No, I do like it. I don't like this whole scene in the boutique. I don't like this whole thing, but I do like yeah. that particular moment. It's more that it just takes too long, I think, than yeah. anything else. Yeah. But I very much like this newly restored Darla talking with Holland Manners. Oh, yeah, no. So she picks up the phone. It's Holland Manners checking in. He suggests they upgrade their little spree to a full-on massacre. And the girls like that idea. But first, they need the shopkeeper's help finding some shoes. When the terrified shopkeeper tries to crawl away, Darla breaks her neck and bemoans the lack of quality service these days. And it does feel to me, even though you're right, even though the episode is inconsistent, even though you can't feel secure Mm -hmm. in the moment-to-moment storytelling... I am taken with the idea of Darla kind of sifting through her memories, Mm -hmm. sifting through the prior versions of herself, because I even noticed her accent shifting as we move through the episode, which I find really interesting because Julie Benz's accent work isn't always great, but it is usually consistent. I mean, she's usually right there. She sounds like Darla, Mm -hmm. but here it's all over the place. And I find that really interesting and it's also possible too of course that none of that was in the script that that's just julie band i don't know who i think does great work Uh, yeah i think she's doing as well as she can this this all of this stuff is kind of like a deep muddy pit at wolfman heart holland Lindsay, and lila are hanging out when angel bursts in through the window okay i'm sorry how does he burst in through the window no he batmans through he does not what does he do? Silent invisible angel copter. Silent it's the only explanation. Angel copter. Yes, because this. I mean, okay. Now, now, Lindsay's um, yes. office is is at least multiple stories it's, up. It's off on the millionth the floor. It's yes. on the millionth floor. I mean, the the view from there is like all of Los Angeles. You so can he's see very the high up. Of the earth. You absolutely can. So he's coming in from above through the window. How? Okay. Here's the thing. We can't pay attention to the how. The show doesn't give us anything to figure out the how. Yeah. What I do like is that it happens. What I yeah. like is that it is immediate. What I like is that it's forceful. Mm-hmm. And it is very unlike Angel. Yeah. You know, we've dealt with the Wolfram and Hart problem before. This is a much more direct, much more brutal assault from mm-hmm. Angel. And I really like it. I like how forceful it is. And I like how unanticipated it is. Yeah. It really works for me. Yeah, and no, I like him the show crashing through the window like that. I find baffling no, because I have the, no idea again, where he came from. If he are. was on the roof again. and he had like a little, you know, a line and he jumped down I from understand. it, then okay. I'm but saying like, the execution yeah. is weird, but the idea that Angel attacks by coming in through the window, yes. which even Wolfram and Hart didn't anticipate. Yes. I like that very much. I, I like it too. And I like his showdown first with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And then I like that he discards Lindsay. Yeah. I don't think he looks at Lindsay again Mm -hmm. through the rest of the scene because he's focused on Holland. Yeah. Because Angel, and we forget this, I think, from time to time, is smart. Mm -hmm. He can do this. He's really good at his job. Yeah. I like that it feels like a darker Angel. I love the specifics of his interactions with Holland. Mm -hmm. You're right. The coming through the window is weird and you would have expected 
just a little justification. Yeah. But for me, invisible angel copter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so he grabs Lindsay by the throat, shoves him down in the bar, discovers that it's Holland who's really behind everything, faces <laughs> down Holland with like 18 security guards behind him, all with these baton steak hybrid weapons, which are, you know, I mean, if you're going to be working as a security guard at Wolferman Hart, I guess that's definitely what you would want to have handy. You order them from the same, you know, corporate yeah. supplier that you order your uniforms and you exactly. order your, you know, water for the lunchroom. Right. <laughs> oh, also the, the steak batons. The steak batons. batons. Yeah. The steak batons. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Angel advances on Holland just as the security guards come in. Holland feels pretty safe that Angel won't kill a human. Angel's not so sure. Which would have been more convincing. Angel's outrage at, at innocent lives. Yeah. Would have been a little more convincing if we hadn't just seen him turn his back on someone who desperately needed his help. But again, it doesn't feel intentional. Yeah. It should be a moment where we feel as though Angel is slipping into his script. Mm -hmm. But in his desire to protect the innocent, he's actually losing track of the innocent. Yeah. There's a lot of potential there. No. It's, and none of yes. it is realized. No, it's none of fantastic. It. And I think that's part of what frustrates me so much about this particular episode. No, I can is tell. That the, con the concept is fantastic. Yeah. I love everything that they're doing. But the way that they do it, although I know, but I do love it in the first act and yeah. I do love it in the last act. <laughs> but in this middle act, yeah. I think one of the worst things that a story can do is, mm -hmm. is leave you feeling betrayed. Yeah. And I, I feel as though that's what you're feeling. No, when we talk about this, it episode. is. It's a complete. It's a complete mess, <laughs> and it doesn't earn the awesome that is coming. Yeah. So Holland says that while Angel's in there threatening him, Drew and Darla are out painting the town red. Time to save some lives. Holland tells the security guards to escort Angel out of the building. He's late for a wine tasting at his house, and Angel is not invited. I like it. It's a nice bit of foreshadowing. The final movement of the story actually yeah. makes sense. It's mm -hmm. not a conspicuous line of exposition. Exactly. exactly. It works really no, quite I beautifully. It, I think it works And really then nice. I like the counterpoint to that scene, which is mm -hmm. Lindsay outside, you know, walking Angel out to the curb yes, in the company exactly. of the police officers. <laughs> Wolfram and Hart may not want you dead. I'm cool with it. Exactly. Doesn't there's really even, bother There's me. something ungainly. There's something incredibly charming about I'm cool with it. Right. It's like, come on, Lindsay. This, this is your time. Now you get your, your final right. line, you know? Mm -hmm. There's something of uh, the esprit d'escalier here, mm -hmm. you know, the, the French idea that you always think of the perfect line to say as you're climbing the stairs as away. Climbing, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, he did the best that he could in the moment. Yes. Right? But um, you know damn fine he's going to have l'esprit de elevator. Yes, in exactly. In just 20 seconds in time. In just a few minutes. So, Lindsay stuffs Angel into a car with into a cop car with Kate in the back seat. She tells him that two women were murdered in a store and someone matching Darla's description was at the scene. Kate instructs the cop driving the car to pull over and she lets Angel out, hoping that he can stop them. This is the best Kate we've ever had. This is great, Kate. Yeah. This is exactly what Kate should be used for. Exactly. She's excellent. Mm -hmm. There is, though, still that confusion. Yeah. Because in this one scene, we're treating Angel as... The angel that we know right. so well, the mm -hmm. angel that Kate knew in the first season and then apparently forgot about as we moved into the second season. Mm -hmm. This is Angel as the monster in the night. He's broken. He's an outcast, but he's the one who can go into dark places to yeah. save the innocent. But that's not the story that we're doing here. Mm -hmm. And again, it feels as though we should be leveraging that for dramatic irony. It feels as though Angel should be aware and we should be aware that he's not in the story that Kate thinks he's in right, right now. Mm -hmm. But it's not there. Instead, yeah. it just feels like a completely conventional, albeit very well written and very well played scene, 
but a completely conventional scene from a completely conventional episode of Angel, not the episode where Angel turns. Right. Well, especially because Kate this whole time has been treating Angel like he's, you know, he's the bad guy, like he's doing bad things. When Angel is absolutely, you know, in the midst of kind of doing bad things, that's when Kate decides suddenly to go light on Angel. And it just seems like, why are we doing this now? Also, the moment that Kate has this realization that Angel can handle things that she is ill-equipped to handle, that's a big moment for this Kate stuff that we have been living through for so long. And yet it's nothing. It doesn't feel like a big moment because it doesn't feel like an evolution. It feels like a retcon. This is just a different version of Kate. No, you're absolutely right. It does feel like I'm happy with that because God knows I don't need Kate's emotional arc. No, (laughs) I don't want any more Kate, but it's just, it's, we've spent so much time doing this stuff and then we finally get to this moment. This is not even the Kate curve. Let's celebrate a completely successful scene with Kate. No, it's great. It's great. And I like that moment. I've been wanting to see that moment for a while. At Holland Manor's house, Lindsay arrives with flowers and he and Mrs. Manor's head on downstairs where a group of lawyers sip wine and listen as Holland Manor's natters on about, you know, whatever. We don't care. It doesn't matter. Because in a moment, Drusilla and Darla crash the party, the blood of Mrs. Holland Manor's on their lips. The girls vamp up, ready to deliver the massacre that Holland Manor's wanted. And now we're back on track. We broadly are back on broadly, track. Broadly, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Two things to note here. The vampire makeup mm-hmm. in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and yes. in Angel is sometimes very successful indeed and sometimes less successful. Mm-hmm. And different actors are better or worse at working around mm-hmm. the vampire makeup. James Monster's fantastic at working around the vampire makeup. He's great as Spike when yeah. he's vamped up. Mm-hmm. David Boreanaz is never that great. At working yeah. around the vampire makeup as Angelus. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see in this sequence that Juliet Landau has got it. Yes. And Julie Benz super doesn't. Yeah. She is much less threatening as vamp face Darla than she would be as regular as human Darla. As regular human Darla. The other yeah. thing that we have to note here. Yes. Wow, isn't it weird to see Darla and Drusilla cosplaying as Buffy and Faith? <laughs> It is pretty crazy. Darla has the weird, I don't know, teased out curly Buffy hair that yeah, we saw back in Yeah, the weird beach waves that we were having Beer in Bad, season four. Which right. we talked about. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing something that Buffy would absolutely wear. That looks wear. very Buffy, sure. And then there's Drusilla wearing the red leather pants yep. and the little crop top looking for all the world that like That has to Faith. be deliberate, right? It has to be, I mean, be, it has right? to be. But why would it be? I don't know. <laughs> it's way too specific to be accidental. But yeah. I'm lost as to the reference, unless it's just an Easter egg, unless it's just, hey, wouldn't this it be fun? It may just be something. Honestly, I think that's what it is. I and think I it's think like it for works. people who notice it. The only know. thing that's really distracting is that Darla apparently has a pierced navel. And oh. I'm not sure when that happened, because presumably she wasn't brought back from the dead with a little <laughs> belly button stud. <laughs> so she must have had it done at some point between then and now. Yeah, I guess. Apparently when they stopped at the all-night hair place, they also stopped at the all-night belly button piercing place. Well, you know, why not? <laughs> why, at this point, why not? It's a great sequence, though. Mm-hmm. I love the two of them. I love their energy. I do wish that we'd done Julie Bands without the makeup. I think she's yeah. just, she's more capable of fully emoting Mm -hmm. without the makeup particularly because she she feels manic when the makeup is on and and she seems to have particularly heavy vamp makeup Mm -hmm. her makeup is is certainly heavier than than drusilla's i think which is an odd choice Mm -hmm. 
Well, speaking of odd choices, Holland says he's glad that they were able to save Darla, but Darla's not in a particularly grateful mood. Drusilla flirts with Lila, which is a moment that I absolutely love. Lila actually, I mean, doesn't have much. Like, you could take Lila out of this episode and not really lose a whole lot. She's sort of the supporting thing. I love her in this episode. This to me, those three lines between Drusilla and Lila Mm -hmm. demonstrate very ably, I think, what happens when you make everyone in your show smart and Mm -hmm. capable. Hey, here's Drusilla. She's incredibly dangerous. She's incredibly threatening. She is trying to intimidate Lila. Yes. Lila rises to the occasion. Uh I moisturize. Exactly. (laughs) Which is a fantastic response. And then Drusilla takes it one step higher (laughs) by saying, that's very kind of you. That's just beautifully written dialogue, like completely removed from context. Mm -hmm. Just just to study those lines as, you know, written, authored lines of dialogue. They're just fantastic. Yeah, no, Lila is fantastic. We have not seen the best of Lila yet without giving away any spoilers. <laughs> I will just say she only gets better with time, much like the wine that they're drinking at the moment. Yes. At the boutique, Angel finds a terrified shopper huddled up in a fitting room. He asks her for information and discovers that Drew and Dyla were on their way to a party, a wine tasting. Which is, again, a decent piece of exposition. The girl is very the good. The girl is amazing. She's just and great. And this actually I, is a fairly well-written yeah, scene. Yeah, no, I looked up the actress because I thought maybe yeah. this was something, you know, maybe Somebody she was an actress she was, yeah. from something mm-hmm. else. Maybe this was a little mm-hmm. cameo. And it's it's not. She had done other work, but, but nothing terribly notable. It's just a really well-written scene. Yeah. And it's unfortunate in its weird way mm-hmm. that this is so well-written. And it's unfortunate in its weird way that it's preceded by that great mirror reveal. Yeah. As Angel's lurking behind the right, detective. The detective looks up. Right, as he comes in and they can't There's see nothing him in the, the mirror. mirror. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice shot. Yeah. This is a really nice scene. But by contrast, it makes the scene in the garage look all the weaker and all the less yes, relevant. absolutely. Yeah. It just, you know, deflates the middle act of this story still further and that middle act couldn't take much more deflation no, but you're absolutely yeah. right mm-hmm. from this point we are back on track mm-hmm. the scene with the girl hiding in the dressing room yep. is just great mm-hmm. and then we're moving back at Holland Manor's house Drusilla intuits that the room they're in was originally a bomb shelter Holland converted it to a wine cellar a thoroughly inescapable wine cellar <laughs> I believe we should a file that under seemed like a good idea at the time dastardly inescapable wine cellar <laughs> Darla senses fear but not from Lindsay she wants to know why he's not afraid and he doesn't know and guesses he's just not afraid to die I love the line mm-hmm. where Drusilla's doing her thing intuiting the, yes. the real nature of the room and she has that line about all these people huddled together yeah. stinking in fear and Holland says yes I suppose it must have been like that during the war <laughs> and Darla says not then now uh, yes the smirk mm-hmm. and the well I suppose I walked right into that one it's so good <laughs> no it is it's really really good uh, Holland says that no one's going to die but Darla and Drew are pretty sure that at least a few people are totally going to die <laughs> Angel arrives at the door, unable to enter, until the injured Mrs. Manners begs him for help. Which, again, a really nice piece of plot construction. Because he needs the invitation to come in. They've left her just alive enough to invite him in to help. Everything has purpose. Everything has focus. It works on its own terms, but it also contributes to the movement of the plot as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's really good. No, I really like it. He comes into the wine cellar and stares dead-eyed at the whole bunch, vamps and lawyers alike. 
Holland appeals to Angel for help, and Angel apologizes to Darla for not getting to her in time. Darla wants her goodbye kiss, but Angel says she won't get it tonight. Lila asks for Angel's help, and Holland tells him people will die if he doesn't do something. But Angel doesn't care. He shuts the doors, locking them all in with Drew and Darla. Yes, throwing Holland Manor's words right back at him. So we've talked a lot about why the emotional arc of this episode doesn't really work yeah. in its in its fine movements. Ultimately, are you convinced by this? There are basically two, you know, shocking revelations yes. at the end of this episode. The first is Angel closing the doors. The second is him firing the investigators. Yes. Does the moment where he closes the doors work for you? Okay, here's the thing. It works like I love it. I think this is great. Mm-hmm. It's not earned. It's not motivated. Well... <sighs> For me, I I want to see this as something that it like in this moment, it never would have occurred to me that Angel would have ever done that. I should be afraid that Angel's totally going to do that at this point. I should see this arc happening. And I don't think that we've seen enough pressure put on Angel. Not nearly enough pressure. You're right. But we have seen hints of it. We have seen momentary glimpses of this back in Holland Manor's office or back in Lindsay's office, I Mm -hmm. should say. (laughs) Back in what used to be Holland Manor's office and is now Lindsay's office. There is that moment when Holland says, you wouldn't kill an innocent man. And Angel says, I don't think you qualify. Yeah. That, I think, is clearly supposed to connect forward in the story to this moment. These are not innocent people. These are not victims. Well, these they are, are wolf from and heart. The one and that presumably Angel... they're servants. Well, yeah. Because we saw a lot of guys walking around with silver trays earlier. Yeah. So, well, that's the worst catering job they ever took. Um, <laughs> and the last. But Holland, like, if it was just Holland and Lindsay and Lila in mm-hmm. the room with Drew and Darla, I could maybe see my way see, to that. I'm but not even sure. I that don't think Angel... that Angel, because Angel. It's not consistent with who he is, and we haven't put enough pressure on him no. to arc him this far. I buy him doing it with Holland Manners. Yeah. I wouldn't even buy Lila and Lindsay. He yeah. has a personal relationship with both of them. Yeah. And he hasn't and ever been before And if either of them wanted saving, vengeful. he would absolutely save them. And he's yeah. now absolutely cognizant of the fact that it was Holland Manners who brought Darla back. Who did this whole he thing. he is the mastermind behind exactly. this. So you're right. If it was just Holland, I could completely buy it. If it were Holland and Lila and Lindsay, I would have a problem with it. But the fact that it's a room full of Wolfram and Hart people, many of whom are unknown. Well, I don't think the caterers are actually in the scene. The caterers magically have evaporate. Well, hey, that's good. You would have a magical evaporation spell too if you were working catering in LA. Oh, yeah. No, in definitely if you were. The angel version of LA. If Wolfram and Hart was a client of the catering company for which you worked. Yeah, yes. you'd have a little hearthstone that yeah, you could tap and sure. portal back to an inn. Exactly. Just for safety. So doesn't work Mm -hmm. for me what does work for me much better if we like inform all of Mm -hmm. this if we if we just assume that all of this works that it is executed appropriately what does work for me is the scene back at the hyperion at the Hyperion, the investigators are troubled at Angel's story. What Angel did was wrong. He went too far. They feel bad for not having spoken up sooner, but they can't keep quiet anymore. They are the only thing standing between Angel and real darkness. Angel agrees that this is true, so he fires them and walks away. If the previous scene had worked, yes. if we had been completely persuaded by the arc, and then we had seen Angel really go dark, if we had been convinced by his arc there... This would have been a really amazing scene. No, this whole thing, this whole episode would have been so amazing but 
as it is. If it could have been if it could have been sold, I mean, even forget everything else that's happened in this season, which hasn't worked. Right. You could have done a lot in this episode to kind of shore up what you need to get us to this space. See, that's partly it. I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can take a completely conventional angel at the mm-hmm. beginning of this episode and arc him through to the angel who leaves these people to die right. and then fires the investigators at the end of the episode. You can't do that in 45 minutes. Not while you're bringing Vamp Darla back. Not while you're engineering all of this But this we haven't plot. had any clarity all season. Like no, he's we have been out of this character episode, all season. Yes, this episode has inherited a yeah. really major problem mm-hmm. from the previous episodes in the Darla arc. Ultimately, I think it lands, and it lands with a great deal of weight, and I won't spoil anything that's coming next, but if you're watching Angel week to week, as I know many of our listeners are, rest assured, this is not cheap. Mm -hmm. This actually is going to have lasting consequences into the episodes to come. We're really moving into a new phase of Angel now, Mm -hmm. and we can talk next week about how successful that new phase is, whether we like it or not. But it's not cheap. It's not a cliffhanger. We're not going to just retcon our way back and have the everything cold open be next week is not going to be you know the gang oh, going shucks, out for brunch guys. and exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. So I like very much that we end up at this point where we are, we really genuinely are introducing a game changer, the yeah. likes of which we have not seen in Angel since Doyle died. Right. This is about as powerful and mm-hmm. as forceful as we get. And if you don't track Angel's emotional growth up to the closing of the 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 bomb shelter door mm-hmm. and i think as we've discussed we don't yeah. track that it's it's not properly communicated it's not properly articulated if you can somehow buy that moment if you can take that moment as a new you know mm-hmm. step zero for angel and arc him forward from there i think the scene back at the hyperion really works yeah well this is exactly the kind of episode that i love this is the game changer this Mm -hmm. is when we put our hero through so much that they fundamentally break and i love that and this is one of my favorite kinds of stories and i think that's why i am so incredibly disappointed with this episode because i remember this episode so well because i love that moment but we just we don't properly motivated disappointments a really tricky thing because disappointment is in many ways worse than an episode simply being an episode being bad is like eh, you know whatever but this is because it feels personal when an episode guns for you like this episode does it feels personal i i think i'm a little better able than you are to kind of filter yeah the bad from the good while really hating the bad i mm-hmm. really hate that scene in the car yeah that's one of my least favorite scenes we've had in angel to date i don't like the scene in the garage mm-hmm. i'm not really that much more positive on the scene in the boutique than you are yeah but i think in aggregate i can enjoy what is good about this episode what is great about this episode and not let the bad stuff bother me as much mm-hmm but I can completely see where you are, where it feels it feels personal. Well, no, I mean, it's just it feels it's so disappointing. Like, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Like, <laughs> you know, it's 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 the the potential is there. Obviously, the skill is there because the people who wrote the first and third acts of this also wrote the middle. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe presume... Tim Minear wrote act one and three. Oh, well, that's sad. I don't want to like, you know, make Throw that Sean presumption okay. for Sean or Ryan. Or maybe Sean Ryan wrote or acts one and three. Sean yes. Ryan did. Um, but yeah, I, I just but the middle of it is just such a hot mess. Right. But we're talking about two thirds of an episode 
but it's the middle that fails to sell everything that you need and this is so pivotal you have to do the work to earn that game changer and they don't do it this episode earns its place in the top half of our list of Mm -hmm. every angel episode Mm -hmm. ever in the cold open by the time we're done with the first act i genuinely think this episode has earned its place in the top 10 Mm -hmm. and what comes afterward is a horrible mess it is a woeful squandering of potential that is somewhat reined in at the very end of the episode. Yeah, it's what's good is very, very good. And what's bad is just garbage. So I don't know, like I feel... Yeah, but not antagonistic garbage, right? Uh, it's not like Go Fish or Ted where we mm-hmm. are left angry by this episode. Yeah. It's just a mess. It's just yeah. not clear. But what is good is among the best that we've ever had. Well, and because no I kidding, love that stuff down. so much, the fact that it's not earned and I can't like... I, I see this wonderful thing that yeah. I would be so into, but because of the mess of the rest of the episode, I'm missing out on this thing that I would love, that I would ordinarily sure. be all in for, you know? And I think that's what I find so disappointing is that it is so good, and yet it fails to do yeah. the one thing that I really need it to do. And you can, I think, if you are, you know, reclining in your armchair listening to yeah. this episode of the podcast and you haven't seen this episode recently you may well be able to retcon in your memory a really consistent emotional arc for Angel through the episode. You can make it work. Mm -hmm. It's obvious what we are supposed to believe is true about Angel and his experience and his priorities and the decisions that he's making right now. Mm -hmm. The problem is that when you watch the episode, that isn't just poorly articulated by the script. It's outright contradicted by the script in more than one scene. And that's just really tough. If we're going to put this episode on the list of every episode ever, which we are, where would you begin? Where would you look for this episode on the list? Okay, going in, I thought this was going to be top five, if not like, you know, top three. Um, because there is so much strength. And I do remember that final moment, you know, with Angel shutting the doors as being so incredibly powerful. Um, I was like horribly disappointed by most of this episode and by the failure to sell Angel's arc, which we so desperately need in order for everything to work. Um, so for me, like when I was done, I kind of ended up around, you know, 12, 13, like the trial and hero, <laughs> um, kind of in that range. What's good is so good and deserves yeah. to be higher than that. But because they failed to do something that is so pivotal and important, not just to this episode, but to the entire opening arc of this season. Well, that's part of it i don't think that we can judge this episode on the strength of the entire opening arc we haven't judged the other episodes on the strength of the opening arc and they've all been compromised no but this episode has the job of landing that opening arc and they failed to do that they were given a job you had one job episode i understand yes (laughs) but it's still an episode in and of itself i don't disagree with any Mm -hmm. of your judgments on the episode it is broken it is disappointing here's the thing that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. the top five spot for this episode i think is earned by what we get because really we're talking about one half of one act being unclear that's all that we're talking about and you're right a little more than that and it's a little worse than that it's not just unclear it's that they have this incredibly pivotal job and they completely fail to do it but because it's unclear because the storyline is unclear it's not aggressively bad it's not disastrous and it doesn't do anything to completely destroy the third act the fact that you can bring it back in the third act Mm -hmm. means that the second act wasn't all that bad for me it's kind of a simple piece of of individual ranking, mm-hmm. I guess, because this is among the best Darla 
that we've had so far. Mm-hmm. I would say this is probably the best Darla episode of Angel that we've had so far. By I far the best Drusilla we've ever seen. The best Drusilla we've ever seen. The best Fantastic Holland Manners. Lila. Best Wolfram and Hart mm-hmm. we've ever seen. Really top tier investigateur yeah. work. Gun feels like gun. Cordelia feels like Cordelia. Yeah. Like a real Cordelia possessive of agency mm-hmm. for the first time in maybe five episodes. In a while, yeah. It's great to have her. It's great to have Wesley being the emotional heart of this team again. Mm-hmm. It's great to have him fully expressing and articulating that as difficult as it is. All of that stuff is great. Yes, Angel's emotional arc through the episode is garbage. Mm-hmm. Everything else is rock solid. So for me, the only question for me is whether this goes in at number five on the list, beating out Blind Date, or it goes in one spot below that, number six on the list, beating out Darla. And the more I talk about it, the more I think it goes in at number five. This is the best Wolfram and Hart story we've had. If you contrast Blind Date with this, Blind Date feels like the first faltering steps, the first draft of mm-hmm. this version of Wolfram and Hart. And this just feels so much more accomplished, so much more robust, so much more legitimately dangerous. There's yeah. dialogue to love. The plot work is really strong, with the exception of Cordelia's enormously convenient vision. Mm-hmm. The rest of the plot really hangs together. And it's got force and energy in its first and third acts. I don't disagree with anything that you've said about the about the middle act. I don't disagree with anything you've said about Angel's emotional arc. For me, though, that doesn't quite work against what makes this episode genuinely excellent. Though, if they had landed that emotional arc, there's no question in my mind that this would be number one with a bullet right now. This would right be now. number one. This would <laughs> have been number is, one. I understand yeah. your disappointment. I really do. I am disappointed with the episode two because it really should be number one. But that is not, right. the best first act that we have seen in Angel to date. And it stands amongst the very best first acts that we've seen in Buffy to date. It's astonishing. It's No, it is very strong. And, and the then, ending is very strong. It's just completely unearned yeah. and unmotivated. And that I find really disappointing. I don't so, think I want to put it above Blind Date. I could put it above Darla. You kind of have to, right? Because there's no way in which I, this episode isn't better than Blind Darla. Date. Well, yeah, no, above Darla. Yeah, yeah. Above Blind Date, probably not. Because Blind Date at least held together as an entire unit of television on its own. And I don't think that this one does. No, but I also think the blind date didn't achieve the It level wasn't of going it didn't have that, as much ambition this as this one it. either, but it set out to do something and did it competently, which Fair. is something that this episode fails to do. I do think this episode the concession that was made, which ought not to have been made, mm-hmm. was that we came in on an angel who was already profoundly conflicted. Yes. And that is not the angel that we said goodbye to at the end of the trial last mm-hmm. week. This is a new angel. We just skipped ahead in his personal emotional growth. But we come into the episode on an angel that we're not equipped to recognize or understand. And then we do nothing to and illuminate what no he's going through. we spend no time with that interiority at all. We don't. Yeah. I would have... We just see him acting in a completely inconsistent manner from yeah. moment to moment. Cut some of that stuff from the first act, mm-hmm. as painful as it may be, because it is excellent cut some of that stuff from the first act and give us a scene between Angel and Cordelia Mm -hmm. where Cordelia says, you know, we're a little worried about you. Yeah. And Angel blows her off or Angel 
just isn't himself. Mm-hmm. Give us a glimpse of that interiority and the whole episode could have hung together. Or we get a and, sense of what the loss of Darla, what the inability to save yes. Darla is doing to him. And I don't you know think we get a sense of that. Let's pick up the cold open, not with Gunn and Angel arriving back at the Hyperion, but with Gunn finding Angel mm-hmm. in the motel. Yeah. Let's see Angel in the ruinous aftermath of his most heinous failure. Mm-hmm. That could have given us everything that we needed. I mean, because the only thing I need is like, because everybody's had that experience, right? Where you're working so hard on something and you've been doing it forever. And then all of a sudden you're like, what is the point? Why do I even bother? It's never going to work. It's never going to succeed. No. You know, I can completely I sympathize with that. I thought I could that. be this person, that kind but of I frustration. Can't. I'm sitting here trying to be a hero. What am I even thinking? Yeah. I'm a vampire. You know, like, I mean, all of this kind of stuff. Like, what if everything I'm doing doesn't mean what but I think it means. Like that that lapse of faith in who he is and what he does. I think that's what we need. But that's specifically undercut by the closing moments yes. of the trial mm-hmm. where Darla decides that she doesn't want to be a vampire. And he succeeded he in succeeded. bringing Darla to that place. Right. He won and then this injustice right. was visited upon Darla. But Angel wasn't wrong. Right. Had Angel gone through the trial then found out that he couldn't save her and then lost her. Yeah. Had he actually failed, this entire emotional arc would have been more easy and to I buy. And I would have but liked this to have been, just seen that yes, from him. This mm-hmm. has been the ongoing problem. This right. is the problem with the Darla arc in the first act of season two of Angel. None of it is properly motivated. And a lot of it is really good mm-hmm. on its own terms. We've had a lot of great Darla scenes. Yeah. But none of the episodes work because none of the episodes connect to the other episodes around them. Mm-hmm. We're left with this angel who week to week floats from one version of his personality to the next. Moment to, to the moment. Next. Scene moment to, to scene. Moment. Right. I mean, yeah. you can arc him through an individual episode. You can, you can embrace that to a limited mm-hmm. extent. But the angel that begins this episode is not the angel that concluded the trial. And the angel that began the trial was not the angel who concluded yeah. the last Darla episode that we had. Mm-hmm. It's incomprehensible. And, and this is so problem. good. And I mean, that's what makes me crazy. This is so good. Yeah. This whole leading up to this moment is so good. And to yeah. fumble that so completely, but I find way, incredibly frustrating. In a way, I think that's one of the reasons that I like this episode so much, because it does inherit so many problems and it actually resolves most of them. I don't think that it does. It resolves, I mean, Darla as a character. It resolves mm-hmm. Drusilla as a character. It resolves Holland Manners yeah, and his weird relationship Drusilla with Lindsay and Lila. Drusilla wasn't part of this this season. It, it does a good job with Drusilla's Drusilla. has been constant through the season in flashbacks. Oh, we've in seen flashbacks. Drusilla, but and she she's hasn't never, been part of... No, but my point is, we've seen Drusilla constantly through the season, and she's never worked as a character. Mm-hmm. Here she shows up, and, and she she's absolutely awesome. works as a character. Yeah. That is no mean feat. Well, I mean, on the strength of that, I will go as far as number six and put it under blind date. But I do so I don't with think I can move heavy you, reservation. I don't think I can move you that one step higher. And there's no way that it goes higher than judgment is the thing. So, I mean, yeah. uh, there's a very narrow mm-hmm. gap there for it in, in my eyes. So I'm happy with that. Let's okay. put it in at number six. Reunion goes in above Darla. And that, I think, will do it. Lonnie, do you want to take us out? Yes, that's it for today. We will be back on Monday with our thoughts on episode 11 of season 5 of Buffy, Triangle, where Xander finds himself caught between his girlfriend, his best friend, and a very big troll. Then next Thursday, Angel goes rogue. You know, one of those rogue demon hunters you hear so much about in episode 11 of season 2 of Angel, Redefinition. And don't forget, you can join some of the funniest, smartest, and most delightful people on the internet on our forums at forum.storywonk.com. They are delightful, those forum folks. 
Wonk. They are. I like them very much. Or you can send your feedback to us via email at podcast at storywonk.com or leave a voicemail at 252-505-WONK. That's 252-505-9665. And remember that this podcast and everything we do at StoryWonk is brought to you free and ad-free by our generous patrons. To join this awesome group and gain access to exclusive StoryWonk content, go to patreon.com slash StoryWonk and pledge us a dollar a month or whatever you can afford. Until next time, I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Alistair Stevens, and this is Dusted. Dusted.